Hello again. Welcome to this special edition of MX's Regulatory Podcast. Today's program is above and beyond the usual schedule, but it's all for a worthy cause. The first year for Sia Ike Core as Singapore's top competition regulator has been dominated by the economic upheaval of the COVID-19 pandemic. Unlike other competition regulators in Asia, the Competition and Consumer Commission of Singapore intervened decisively and early to ensure that competition law didn't get in the way of the survival of companies as the downturn set in. It was a baptism of fire for the veteran regulator and one which overshadowed other regulatory issues that have been bubbling away in both Singapore and the rest of Southeast Asia. Jet Tomaso Santos is MLEX's Southeast Asia correspondent and she's put together a remarkable special report based on an extended interview with SIA. It's free for listeners to download and I think that anyone with an interest in regulatory developments in the region would find it very interesting. To talk me through the special report, Jet joins me now from Jakarta. And uh, Jet, let's start with this issue of COVID-19 and how the CCCS under SEER ended up dealing with the effects of the pandemic. Hi, James. So the Commission seems to have been able to provide a balanced response. They've relaxed some rules to take into account the impact of the pandemic, especially on heavily affected sectors like aviation. But at the same time, they've put enough safeguards in place to prevent abuse. For example, they've basically said they will not investigate certain business collaborations if they are meant to improve the supply of basic goods and services amid the pandemic. But the scope is very limited. First, it only applies to a list of goods and services maintained by the Ministry of Trade and Industry. And it doesn't cover the more egregious types of behavior like price fixing and bid rigging are still clearly not allowed. So this is a more calibrated response than what we've seen from other countries in the region. At the same time, given the new work streams, we see they've been able to move around plans and priorities. Uh, they've recently developed an in-house bid rigging detection tool, for example. Um, this is to identify susceptible tenders, but I think plans to market this to other government agencies have so far been delayed. But other tasks that they do deem important, they made sure to complete. Like they've met their merger review deadlines and they've completed a major market study on e-commerce platforms. Although she makes the point clearly that this doesn't amount to a relaxing of oversight, that that oversight uh, continues. Nonetheless, it is still a risky move and SIA has in the past acknowledged that, right? Yeah, in a previous competition conference, she did say that exceptional times do call for some regulatory risk-taking. So they do recognize that there are risks involved in this. But I think they have been able to manage those risks by applying um, a lot of safeguards around it. Okay, well, let's talk about something that is, uh, in a way, the most newsworthy uh, aspect of the work of all regulators in all jurisdictions around the world, and that is the way in which they deal with uh, digital platforms. Now, the CCCS uh, ultimately focused its attention on super apps. So these are apps that provide, uh, presumably provide more than one service. Tell me something about how that panned out. Right. So, yeah, super apps, like you said, um, they're basically e-commerce platforms that integrate a range of distinct products and services in one app. For example, 
Grab is the biggest e-commerce company, I think, now in Southeast Asia. But it's no longer just a ride-hailing platform. It has since expanded to include food delivery, grocery, courier services. Its users can buy tickets to various attractions and even insurance, all from the same app. And of course, users can pay for all these services through the built-in e-payment service. So you can imagine there are massive network effects involved. And determining what the relevant market is, is increasingly complicated. At the same time, these super apps are rising rapidly, not just in Singapore, but across Southeast Asia. In fact, during the pandemic, many of them saw tremendous growth rates because people were forced to stay home and just basically order everything online. So um, in our interview, Ms. Sia told us that they felt this was something that other agencies had not looked into because, you know, other jurisdictions were more focused on the likes of Google and Facebook. They have in the past looked at some of these companies, like the controversial 2018 merger of Grab and Uber. And last year, there was there was a complaint filed against um, online food delivery service providers. But of course, these were not comprehensive. So that's why they embarked on this study. Mm. Well, what does this focus on super apps uh, mean for the fast-growing e-commerce industry in the region, which you've just mentioned now? I wonder if this could... Uh, hinder development or whether it could have some kind of other impact that uh, hasn't been foreseen? So the study didn't really find any major competition concerns that the commission has to investigate right away. But what it did do was to sort of provide guidelines or recommendations for how the commission can prepare itself moving forward. So for now, there are no major competition concerns, but no one is in the clear forever. There are proposed amendments to the commission's guidelines on how it implements the competition law, specifically the ones on intellectual property rights, market definition, abuse of dominance, mergers and enforcement. Um, The idea is to give companies clarity, actually, so that they can proceed with their planned mergers and acquisitions in the future with much more certainty, knowing um, how the commission will treat their cases Um, or, you know, what behavior they can do that the commission won't frown upon. So in the proposed changes, the commission will make it clear, for example, that self-preferencing is a potential form of abusive conduct. Uh, They do elaborate how they will define relevant markets in cases where the companies involved compete in multiple market segments or offer distinct products and services. And even though these are technically just guidelines, Um, Singapore antitrust lawyers will tell you they're pretty much applied as if they're binding. This this was all open for public consultation a few months ago, and uh, Messia said we can expect them to be finalized by the end of the year or early next year. And they could have implications beyond Singapore because she said they do plan to share what they've learned in their approach with other antitrust regulators in Southeast Asia. Okay, and uh, finally, on a more personal level, how is Sia Aikor dealing uh, with her new role? How is she settling into this new role? Right, so she was appointed around October last year. So the COVID pandemic happened shortly into her term. But she seems to have hit the ground running. And that's not surprising because the commission isn't actually new to her. She was its first director of legal and enforcement when it was first established in 2005. And during that initial stint, she drew up the first set of guidelines on key provisions of the new competition law. 
She also, in fact, oversaw the first infringement decision against the cartel. So she's definitely not new to the world of antitrust. And in fact, when she was first appointed, Singaporean lawyers told me they were glad to see that a familiar and experienced person would be taking over. Of course, the commission has expanded since then. She was away for about a decade. And during that time, the commission expanded to take on um, a consumer protection mandate as well. But from talking to her and other commission employees, I do get a sense that it's been a smooth and easy transition so far. I did ask her what her vision for the commission was, but she did say they're now in the middle of drafting their new strategic framework, which will broadly set out the commission's directions for the next five years. So that's something to look forward to sometime early next year. Now, I know it's not always easy to get uh, Singapore officials to let their hair down and uh, reveal something uh, too intimate about themselves, but she did tell you that she was a fan of the novel Lord of the Flies. Now, I assume that this was a suggestion that she thinks that if markets are left to their own devices, we're all in trouble. Is that the message that you took from that uh, revelation? (laughs) Well, she did explain that. She's, as a grown-up, she's moved on a little bit from that or moved away from that a little bit. What she said was that as a responsible regulator, she thinks um, they do need to walk through the steps of, if that were to happen, uh, what should we do so that they're not caught on the back foot? So it's just a matter of being prepared. It's not so much looking at the entities they regulate and expecting them to violate the law. It's just a matter of being prepared in case they do happen to do it one day. Jet, it's been great talking to you and thanks again for your uh, special report. It's, uh, it's a great read and hopefully all of our listeners will, uh, will pick up a copy. Thanks again. Thank you, James. Jet Damaso Santos is MLEX's Southeast Asia correspondent and her special report based on an extended interview with Sia Ike Kaur is ready for you to download. Just go to our website, mlexmarketinsight.com and click on the Insight Centre tab. That's where you'll find all of our special reports. That website address again is mlexmarketinsight.com. As for MLEX's podcasts, well, you can now subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud and Stitcher. That's it for today. Our regular podcast gets uploaded on Friday GMT, so I hope you'll be able to join me then. My name is James Paniki, Asia-Pacific Senior Editor, and on behalf of everyone here at MLEX, thank you for listening. Bye for now. Bye for now.